If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. And I know it's been a long time. It's been like a couple weeks now since I've been on back on the podcast finished finals thank god finished the second year of law school but i have a really special guest he hasn't been on the podcast before but i just felt like it was fitting to get him onto the podcast especially with what happened with tottenham this weekend so i'm introducing thomas kim thanks thomas for coming on to the podcast hello um I'm excited to be here. Too. <laughs> Sounds yeah. extremely excited to be here on the podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the reason why I brought Thomas and I call him TK, he was like one of our good friends, me, Hedjun's good friends um, back in college. And we always used to hang out, but he used to play a ton of FIFA. We That's how we got really close. But the reason why I brought him on is he's one of the biggest Tottenham fans that I've known for a long time. Like the, it was like, since like before, like I don't know, it's like uh, Jermaine Genus and like all yeah. those types of guys too. Well, when uh, Mar- Martin Joel was yeah. the coach, two thousand five, um, young Pio. yeah, because he's out of my hometown, right? And he went to Tottenham, so that's when I became a Tottenham fan. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's pretty cool to see like the transformation of mm-hmm. this Tottenham team, especially with what they did this past week in the Champions League. How ridiculous was that? Just, like, reactions, gut reactions from, like, watching the game. All right, I got to get this out of the way because I told I told Dave and AK before this, too. But um, I, as I was saying, I worked from home that day watching the game. And my roommate kept on saying – he's a Liverpool fan, by the way. My roommate's been my friend for, like, all my life. And he's a Liverpool fan. So we, we saw Liver- what Liverpool did the that day before. That was insane. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're, watching, we're watching the game together and then – uh, it was it was like 85 minutes, and then Jan Vertonghen hits the post. I thought it was done. Yeah, because yeah. at that moment it was three to two, and yeah. you just kind of they they were really pressing for that third goal. Yeah, and it was pretty amazing how like how much pressure Ajax was withstanding, yeah. and then when Vertonghen hit the post, and then he had another sitter yeah. right in front of him, and he kind of yeah. scuffed it. I was like. Oh man, that might just yeah. be it for them. That was for me at least. It was that was it. You know, I th- I thought that what and it, it was just incredible how Jan was the one there because you know one of the most loved players in Tottenham from Ajax, right? So I thought that was done, and I put my head down. But my roommate kept on saying, "Dude, you know they're gonna score. They're gonna score. I can see the goal coming." But you you can say that all you want as a third person, right? If you're an actual fan like Liverpool, right? I mean, you score pretty early, like not early, but it was like 70th minute, the last goal. Or right, right, right. So like, it wasn't like the last of the last minutes. But for me, at least, I was just like, no, you know what? At least we gave it a fight because up to that, the three halves that we played, yeah, I know, actually outplayed you yeah, guys. Every single half before this, all three pa- three halves, right? So I was like, at least uh, you get these guys gave it a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't disappointing, and I put my head down. And then, you know, I looked up occasionally, but I put my head down. I couldn't watch the game anymore. And then my phone opens up. And I see I see a Facebook message from you. And it says, OMFG. And 
you had a stream that was a little faster than mine because I think you watch it on TV, right? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. watching it off online, you mm -hmm. know. So it was a little slower, and I'm like. You th you've done this to me a couple times, right? <laughs> like, remember Harry Winks? Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, That yeah. one. So I'm like, did he? But y you didn't say like goal or anything. I you just said, said I just said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, he spoiled something for me, but I just want to know if it's a goal, right? Yeah. So I look up, dead last minute, Lucas Mora. Wow, what a goal. I know. And it was ridiculous because I think... I mean, going into this season, Lucas Mora just yeah. didn't really have a spot on the team. He no. was like a he was a bench type of player, and for him to be able to come through like he did in that second leg, scoring a hat trick, and I think up to the in the build up to the game, there was a lot of like Son Heung-min versus like Frankie De Jong kind yeah. of stuff, and, and they had two players at least on tone. Like yeah, yeah, every time he had the ball, and yeah. I, we, it was totally like pressure was on him mm -hmm. you know yeah so it kind of it, it was just like oh who else was going to step up for that tottenham team yeah. uh to kind of push them through to the champions league and i was just super impressed by Mora's pace and yeah. i think like everyone knew about his pace yeah like course. coming yeah. into the year but yeah. he i feel like he's been able to harness and utilize that pace in a more effective way instead yeah. of just kind of running his ass off yeah for me what he did that game was like a level a lot of level but level down messy style mm. you know yeah he, he's small fast but in the middle right mm -hmm. like in the center of the field right so for me it was like uh when i saw him obviously not as good mm -hmm. right but the style of play I, I felt like it was like a messy kind of style where you're quick touches you know and then one time quick through it's not the strongest shots you'll ever see yeah but you know it's a perfect placement with the yeah and i mean middle. to kind of like outline the whole game that second leg it was 2-0 going into halftime ix's mm -hmm. favor and you kind of saw like ix coming off the pitch at halftime smiling and yeah. thinking they had it in the bag being up three three zero up on the aggregate and it was just like i didn't really see i i think it was w one of two things from my, my point of view. If I was a Tottenham fan, I was just like, oh, it's kind of a shame uh -huh. that they couldn't give it more of a fight, uh -huh. especially with, like, the competition. Like, you're never going to get a better chance to yeah. make the European Championship, you know, yeah. final. And especially against a young Ajax team, you just kind of never knew what was going to what was going to happen, and Ajax has been playing extremely well in that yep. Champions League yep. competition. As um, much as I hate them because of what they did, like time-wasting and all that stuff, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, you know... You you had to respect them. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I do respect them. Mm -hmm. But I knew that there's a couple of things that, that I saw when we were first matched up with Ajax that, uh, that I thought were rooms. The first thing for me was like, these guys, like you said, are young, so very inexperienced, right? Right, right. First round of 16, they play at home first and then go away, mm -hmm. right? And then away away they win. Right, right. right. And then the next round, too, quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. That's what happened, right? Yeah. That happened with Tottenham as well. Mm -hmm. And then it was now down to the semifinals, and Tottenham got that, you know, make the fixture, right? Mm -hmm. Where they play home first and then go away, right? Right, right. So I thought Tottenham had a little advantage because mm -hmm. they're used to doing that. Right, right. right? right. Um, so when, I, when we were first matched, I was like, 
you know, they they can beat us at home, mm-hmm. you know, because they're good away. Yeah, yeah. But when they're at home, they're not that great. I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah and it's kind of been like that pattern as you outline mm-hmm. throughout the competition yeah. where for both teams, they've performed better away from yeah. home, which is kind of yeah. interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I think both teams had that little engine going of, you know, the idea of proving everyone else wrong. Right, right. And, and that's where it happens. And in you just games. saw, like, once the game was over, you just saw all the emotion from both sides. And, yeah. like, you kind of look at this Ajax team, you're never, like, this Ajax team's never going to get another uh-huh. chance with this iteration of their team because, yeah. you know, Frankie de Jong's going to Barcelona. Yeah. Like, all these guys are connected to these huge European clubs. Like, Delict, who's their like nineteen-year-old yeah, captain, um, he's probably going to Barcelona. Right. So like, all it's kind of a shame in that way. They're never gonna be able yeah. to like see what ends up happening with this team. But on the other hand, with Tottenham, like it isn't it just validation for Pochettino for for like staying uh, with Tottenham because like he kind of revealed earlier this week that he had an opportunity to, yeah, to go to Real right. last yeah. year. Um, and for him, he must think, oh, wow, this is like a huge validation that I ended up staying here. Um, yeah, but to be honest, I, I didn't think Pochettino was going to go to Real. I kind of, I, uh, to be honest, I thought that would be a huge risk for Real Madrid. Right. Because, um, he's never been at a big club because Mm -hmm. he, the biggest club that he played for was PSG basically. Right. That, that wasn't when... That PSG wasn't the PSG yeah. with. Well, like they had Ronaldinho the and all of them, but not <laughs> not with that money. Yeah, not with that. Not with yeah, yeah. So, so he has no experience with big teams, mm-hmm. you know. And he's, I think Tottenham is like a perfect size team for him, you know. Yeah, and I just, and I, I just re- like as a Liverpool fan, like especially with the matchup mm-hmm. coming up in the finals, you're kind of supposed to not like the team, but I just really appreciate the way. Uh-huh. That Tottenham's built their team, yeah. Instead of just buying their players, maybe like Manchester City, yeah, or like all the other big squads, they've really developed their talent, especially with all the guys that have come in from smaller, small, smaller feeder clubs like Ajax. Like mm. you had Eriksson, you had Vertonghen mm. uh, from Ajax, and then Tono- like Tonongmin wasn't what he was like uh-huh. three years ago. You know Definitely when he came not. into the league. Yeah. So it's really impressive to just see the player development that Pochettino's kind of brought some of these guys from where they were to where they are now. And it's really impressive that they've done it without a transfer budget. Yeah. Like, you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, what your feeling is on, like, the opening of the new stadium because of all the money that's been poured into that to the opening of that stadium. And now it's just kind of... Like he had no he had no money to bring in new players, and for him to u- utilize you know players like Lucas Moura that were out of favor, Fernando Llorente, like it it's really impressive to see. Yeah, and it's all about second chances for Pochettino. Mm-hmm. Um, Serge Aurier, Lucas Moura, all you know, even uh, Sissoko too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he I. Th- now he's proving himself, but he was very R- overpriced. That's for <laughs> right, exactly. Like <laughs> for a relegated Tottenham, team, <laughs> yeah. Tottenham yeah. fans were just going crazy, yeah. especially with the mistakes that he was making. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty bad. To yeah, yeah. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's always had that athleticism, and now he's proven everyone wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for Pochettino, his son too. Like after the first season, he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Wolfsburg, I think. Um, that was a team that was looking for him. But Pochettino said, 
Well, I read his autobiography, and mm. he said that I never he he never tells a player that that they're gonna start. Right. What he tells the player though is that you're in my plans for the future. Mm. You know, whether you're a starter or backup, whatever it is, but you're in my my head. You know, mm. part of the plan. So if you want to leave, that's fine. But know that you you know you stay. You're part of my plan. Yeah. And that's what he told Son, right? And Son decided to decided to stick with it. I think it's just the biggest, the best decision that's you know, ever made for as a fan of Tottenham. Right? Yeah, and I think what ends up happening with that type of mentality, it really builds a culture of hard work, yeah. um, especially because it's not like the manager is guaranteeing any any type of, like, starting role mm-hmm. for any single player. So he, he everyone knows it's, like, based on meritocracy yeah. and who's playing well, who's in form during that time of the season. And you've kind of seen it play out throughout the season. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and everyone works hard. Yeah, yeah. And that, that team is just a hardworking team. Mm-hmm. And I just really like how er- all the pieces kind of fit together. It just makes sense. Right. Whereas, like, if you look at, like, a Man U or an Arsenal right now, they're, like, the team, those teams don't really make sense in terms mm-hmm. of how the pieces fit together. Right. So it's... It's really impressive to see. Like, I'm sure as like a lifelong Tottenham fan, like I don't know what what were the emotions like when you were watching that because this is their first like huge European final. Um, well, I'm up until the first half until we let go, let two goals up, you know, by Ajax. I was so sure that it, we were going through. Yeah. To be honest, even though we're down one. Mm-hmm. Um, just historically, right? Right, like right. Thinking about hi- Champions League runs, there's always that new upcoming upsets and new teams that gain a lot of fame for beating all the big teams and whatever. But they always lose out in semifinals. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I thought Ajax was a more underdog, like smaller right, club, right. right? And Tottenham, even though it's their first time, whatever, it was still a bigger club, right? Yeah, and yeah. Everyone was rooting for Ajax. That's why I, I just knew, because when you look at it like AS Monaco a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The, I think their run ended with Mbappe in like semifinals. Right, right, right. right? And that was, you know, exactly like Ajax. Yeah. Right. And then you've kind of seen like Monaco, like even Atletico Madrid, like mm-hmm. when they were up against uh, Real in that mm-hmm. finals a couple of years ago, like yeah. these huge underdog type of stories, Borussia Dortmund before yeah. that. So you kind of see like that end up ending up happening mm-hmm. um, in this competition. And it's really fun to see because you kind of see these new stars emerge. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, so, but as I was saying about about the emotions, it's just like up and down, right? Like right, right. I was so confident yeah, yeah. that we're going to win. Yeah. And then, you know, in the 45 minutes, first 45 minutes, it's just like, can we still do this, mm-hmm. right? But as soon as the second half started, I saw it coming. So there were a lot of up and downs, right? Yeah. And... It and Dele Ali made that perfect volley, but mm. Onana had that perfect save. Yeah, right? yeah, and he was a beast in the goal too. Oh yeah, like it oh, was. Yeah. yeah, he was unbelievable in goal. Yeah, yeah, the second goal, like of Mora, like he blocked that first shot by Uren, yeah, which yeah. obviously he should have finished as a forward, yeah, yeah, but yeah. um, still it was a good good save, you know. Yeah. Um, that second goal though by Mora, oh, like with the touches. feet, yeah, his touches, like. It, and I want, like, listeners to kind of understand, like, how tough that is because he was literally probably in, like, a four-by-four four space and, like, three defenders draped around him. He does, like, two really quick touches around 
and then gets a shot off, and it was just unbelievable for him to get that which, shot off. Which, by the way, he's a righty. Yeah. And he and scored all three or less. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So kids, practice that left foot. <laughs> practice that opposite foot. Um, but that play was an epitome of Tottenham's back against the wall. Yeah. Right? He had to score that. And if if the circumstances weren't that we needed that goal, uh-huh. that would have never come out. Yeah. He would have definitely dropped it back to the top of 18. Right, right, right. right. He had to push that ball in perfectly. Mm. At that moment, if it was either that or we just go home. Right, right? It yeah. was as close as you get for yeah. a goal, for a second goal. So I think that was a perfect moment of, ex- like, example of how we really had to make that happen, and we did. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of moving on, like, as we get, you know, finish up the semifinals, my Liverpool team had an amazing comeback mm-hmm. from the aggregate, winning 4-0 at Anfield. And, I mean, I didn't think that was possible against a Barcelona team mm-hmm. with Messi, Suarez, yeah. Coutinho. Like, you think about all these players. You think about all these guys that are the biggest stars in the world. And for them to lose 4-0, even if it's away at Anfield, which is a really tough place to play, it's, I mean, you kind of have to question, like, Messi really couldn't like get one goal. Like yeah. and and it's more of an indictment on that Barcelona defense that they weren't able to like hold a lead yeah. like that. Jordi Arba. Yeah, he was absolutely w- trashed in that game. Yeah, to be he played yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like probably the best it, left back in it, the world. Yeah, I have him on my fo- uh ultimate team right now, FIFA. Yeah. He's really good. You know, yeah. like, he's got we all know that he's a good player. But yeah. that game he was just, you know, he was giving a ball. Even that first goal, yeah. like where he ended up heading it and then Sadio Mane was on it. Mm-hmm. And you have to think about what Liverpool ended up doing in that game with the players they had on the field. They didn't have uh, Firmino. Mm-hmm. He was out. Salah was out mm-hmm. as well. And then Robertson ended up going out at halftime. Um, because of Suarez. Because of Suarez, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking ex-Liverpool <laughs> fan. Yeah. Er, player. So it's just kind of like unbelievable for mm-hmm. this – like team to kind of come together especially with the guys that they didn't have and it was kind of similar to the way Tottenham kind of worked in terms of them working as a team finding goals from unexpected areas like Genie Wijnaldum like he's he's a nice player he came on because uh Robertson ended up going out yeah Yeah. so he ended up coming on at halftime Divock Origi like scored two goals and it, it kind of it's just amazing to see these bench players come on and mm-hmm. contribute to the team. Yeah. And what I was impressed with was left back has always been probably a struggle for Liverpool to find. Like Alberto Moreno has been the starter before yeah. Robertson ended yeah. up coming on. But really James Milner, I thought was like a super key player as a depth player because he's been able to play in the middle of the field. And then when they need him to back up Robertson, he's played at left back. So they like move him around all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely impressive yeah. the, the the way they play and how it like Jurgen Klopp and I would say Pochettino are probably the two two of the best managers in the world just because of I would say how they've constructed their teams mm-hmm. with not like huge budgets. They've oh, yeah. really developed the players mm-hmm. to fit their system. Mm-hmm. And they got rid of players that don't, you know, fit right, their right, system. Right. And um and that's what 
that's what Pochettino was able to do perfectly. I feel like um, getting rid of the players that he's not. Yeah, that he wasn't going to utilize yeah. at all. So yeah. it's really impressive to see. I mean, kind of. Pre- let's preview that. Preview the finals. I mean, I think we kind of like are both pr- going to predict like our teams to no. win. But I mean, if you had to give a prediction, like uh-huh. how what would you say is going to happen in that game? Um, like how how do you kind of see the game playing out? Maybe not a scoreline, but like just like the overall pace because they're both in the Premier League. They both know each other very well, especially with playing each other multiple times. So how how would you say the game's gonna play out? It's a tough call to be honest with you because there's so much time between the last game of the season, which is tomorrow. Right and the finals, so yeah, uh, yeah. it's a very tough call, and I don't know who which team is gonna have more confidence when they play. Uh, but generally, I feel like uh, Liverpool has a lot more confidence. Mm-hmm. But only thing that I'm betting on is that Klopp has never won. Well, uh, knock on yeah, the yeah, he's never knock on wood. <laughs> he's never <laughs> won on the. F- I'm trying to find wood around me to knock on, but like, yeah, he's never won a final. He's gotten to them, no, gotten I'm them to on the wood finals because yeah. I want. I don't want it to happen. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's gotten to the finals. Like last year, he ended up facing Real, ended up losing. Like Gareth Bale, the Europa League, Europa, Europa League, League, the year before that yeah. against Sevilla. And he hasn't been able to get it done. Even with his t- at his time at Borussia Dortmund, he ended up losing to Bayern in the final mm-hmm. of the Champions mm-hmm. League. So that's been like the last hurdle for him to kind of climb and mm-hmm. get over. So I'm curious to see if he ends up doing that. And kind of talking about the injuries and, and the matchups and who's potentially playing, I kind of mentioned for Liverpool, Salah, Firmino, Robertson, are they going to be okay in two weeks to be able to play? That should be enough time for Salah and Robertson to get back, but Firmino's kind of been struggling with a muscle problem, so I wonder if that's going to be enough time. It seems like Salah and Robertson are going to be playing in that Wolves game at the final game of the season tomorrow on Sunday, so I would expect a pretty full-strength squad team. And, you know, Divock Origi, like, he can ke- he could end up getting some goals, too. Yeah. So, like, he might be the starter in place of Firmino um, if Firmino's not fit. And then for you guys, the big story is, do you guys play Harry Kane? Like, Harry Kane's been struggling with his ankle injury, and I think not many people expected the season to end up being this long mm-hmm. for Tottenham. Do you... Do you want him to play if he's healthy or oh, like definitely. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking, you know, it's tough call, but more is probably gonna be on the bench if Harry Kane comes back. Mm. Um, and it might not be fair for the player, but you know, it's just the way it is, right? It's as if you know Firmino is fit, but they're gonna start off with Origi just because he scored two goals at the semifinals. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, a tough call, either Son or Mora, but, you know, one of these wingers or the forwards are going to have to drop down yeah, the bench. So, like, with your gut feeling, let's because I think the there's this sentiment going on in on the internet, Twitter, all this types of stuff, the pe- pundits. Like, everyone acknowledges how well Harry Kane, like, how good of a player Harry Kane is. But sometimes like there's this oh this theme of oh they kind of just look out for Harry Kane when he's on the Mm -hmm. field instead of 
knowing how to play team football Mm -hmm. and knowing when to make the right play or the Mm -hmm. right pass instead of kind of force feeding it into Harry Kane's feet. So I wonder if they're Kane's able to assimilate into the system without disrupt disrupting what they've been able to do so far. Manchester City, the first first leg at home mm-hmm. uh, before he got got off injured, when Harry Kane was on, that game was amazing for Tottenham. Right, right. It was so good, and he plays some of the key passes. Mm-hmm. He's a really good passer. You know? Right, it's no, just he over, is. It's just that his goal scoring ability is kind of like high that feature. But right. he's a very good. Pa- passer and he's n- so i it's very very unfair for for harry kane to hear that stuff i f- personally feel like um there's nobody that's gonna ever replace harry kane and he's the he's the heart and soul mm-hmm. of tottenham you know he, yeah. he you can't take that away from harry kane like if there's a final playing you can't sit him on the bench mm-hmm. like come yeah. on like even if he lose harry kane's the one that sort of started this era right? right right yeah it was the harry kane era i remember even watching him play at red bulls arena um when they ended up coming to the u.s right before he got he got big i think mm-hmm. i would say like four to five years ago yeah. um and i ended up going with i think hedjun and tyler mm-hmm. and they were playing the red bulls and i was like who is that guy? Like who? He's like a goofy looking guy. Does like, not look like a footballer. Like, yeah, doesn't look super athletic at mm-hmm. all. But he ended up getting his like getting his body in the way, like really being mm-hmm. able to hold up play and then run at defenders after that once he gained possession. So it was like pretty impressive to see that type of form at a young age, um, up close. So I wonder what ends up happening, like what Pochettino does. Maybe he's not healthy enough and maybe he comes off the bench. Give him twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um because there's gonna be extra time now, you know. Yeah. yeah. The game is tied. So. I, I really I mean Let's get into score predictions. Mm. I mean, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to go into over or extra time and possibly penalties. Like, And I think a lot of people are pointing to Liverpool taking it just because of like the team, the season that they've had in the Premier League, mm-hmm. hopefully getting to 97 points, putting pressure on Man City to maybe drop, a, drop the game tomorrow against Brighton. But... Tottenham knows how Liverpool plays. They've seen them in the league twice already this season. So I I think Pochettino is going to really have his team ready, um, depending regardless of like, oh this player maybe this player is better than this player from Liverpool compared to Tottenham. So I'm going to two into extra time and then like four two in penalties or something like that. But oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it's going to be really close. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to be rooting for Liverpool as a like, huge Liverpool fan, and I, I wouldn't expect anything different for Tottenham as a Tottenham fan either. Yeah, so. but, you know, what what you want and what's, you know, realistic is a lot different. You know? Right, right, right. There's a big difference between the two, but if we go to the penalties, uh-huh. right, then I think Tottenham has the upper hand. Yeah. Because um, as, as good as Allison is, mm-hmm. You can't beat Yuri's in the tournament, you know. Yeah, and experience. I think that's the experience. Like as a goalkeeper, Lloris has like ex- an extreme amount of ex- experience yeah. in comparison to Allison. Mm-hmm. So that's a worry. 
especially with Liverpool's like history with goalies lately, it's mm-hmm. been kind of a struggle. <laughs> um, I mean, Allison's yeah. good. I, I no, no, yeah. Allison's been good, but like I, I'm having terrible flashbacks about Loris Carius mm. in last year's final. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that bug doesn't end up happening. Uh, doesn't bite Liverpool in the ass. So. I'm I'm really hoping for I think it's gonna be a really tight, solid game and really exciting. And honestly, not I would be upset that Liverpool wouldn't doesn't win if they don't win. But like to see Sonungmin, like who's yeah. a Korean guy, um, uh, and me being of Korean descent, to see kind of him be on top of the football world would be pretty amazing to see yeah. as well. Yeah. So um, he. He, I think, is someone that is Korean but does not have Korean personality. Right. He doesn't. You know? yeah, so yeah. Like, so he's kind of had this flair about mm-hmm. him that a lot of Korean players, n- I would say, historically don't have. Like, mm-hmm. we ha- Korea hasn't had a historically good Winner. record finishing mm-hmm. in terms of, like, scoring in mm-hmm. the box, scoring in the goal, being in the offensive third, and really being able to put – goals in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, when when you see Jisung Park, you see the best example of a Korean soccer player, right? Working hard, running right. all over the pitch, exactly. supporting other people. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like something that Koreans would do. It's just like in the DNA yeah. of Korean yeah, players. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or like for any kind of industry or field, like when you look at a Korean, that would be like the type of right, right, right. The person that Korean is. And then when you see someone, it's just like, this he, he works hard, but it's yeah, like it's he different. has this innate natural talent about yeah. him that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening. Um, moving on to the Premier League, TK. Yeah. So really quickly, Tottenham hasn't had the form in the Premier League in comparison to what they've shown in the Champions mm-hmm. League. And I think you could kind of point to the lack of depth that we were talking about earlier, especially like trying to rely on guys like Fernando Llorente on a consistent basis or even Lucas Morris had his ups ups and downs as well. It's it's really tough to do that when they're competing with teams like Manchester City who've had who have this like unlimited budget that they're literally going too deep in every position and they those bench players like Rayon Mars is like basically wasting away on the bench right now and he could be starting for probably every single Premier League team yeah. besides Manchester City. Yeah. So kind of going into the off season, like this last game doesn't really matter for Tottenham mm-hmm. because they're gonna make the top four, it looks Don't like say that. <laughs> well yeah yeah. So so right now So they're last time uh when Leicester won the league. Right? Yeah. Last gate last day of the season. Yeah. Tottenham lost to Newcastle 5-1. Yeah. While Arsenal beat, I think it was Aston Villa? I think it was Four Aston Villa 4-0. So, <laughs> so that's a possibility. So the reason why TK brings that up is because the tiebreaker, um, they would be tied on points if Tottenham loses and Arsenal wins. But if it's by a big goal differential, Tottenham's leading by eight goals right now in their, in their goal differential. So basically, if... There's a repeat of that situation. Yeah. Arsenal will go through. So it's not sealed in, you know, it's not sealed their their progression into the Champions League mm-hmm. for next year, but it's pretty much guaranteed, like really close to being guaranteed. And as a soccer fan, you're probably like, 
hating me right now as I'm saying it's pretty much guaranteed. But I'd be extremely surprised if they don't make the top four. Yeah. Um, but kind of going into next year, what are your thoughts on like the off season and the type of transfer plans that Tottenham's gonna have, especially if like you know, let's say if they win the Champions League, does like Pochettino end up getting like a gig somewhere else and end up leaving, or does he stay? Because he kind of alluded to that mm-hmm. in his press conference. Leaving, I think he was joking. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he was joking, but it seemed like he was joking. Yeah. Kind of like you know, I've nowhere else. Like, I I don't know if I'd be able to repeat that. Might as well go out on top at Tottenham and go somewhere else. But maybe like in terms of the types of players that you'd want. As a Tottenham fan, like where would you want to look towards? Oh um, yeah, dude. Like I have in so terms much of like, say about this. like in terms yeah. of like depth pieces to add because are they going to be active in the transfer market, especially with them paying off that huge debt for the stadium and all yeah. that type of stuff? So, uh, I mean, like the news are all just rumors, but they say that they're going to have three big signings. But mm, for me, interesting. Um, just one player that I've been eyeing on, mm-hmm. and I really wish he came to Tottenham. Yeah, he's been quite quiet this year, but Arnautovic mm, is the interesting. type of player that I want. Okay. Because when you look at Tottenham, uh, the the players are divided to natural players and then hard workers, like we talked about. Right, right. right. They're not nat- natural players. I would say is Ericsson mm-hmm. and Dele Ali. Right? Yeah, they're just naturally gifted. Yeah, and the hard workers. And I would say Son and Kane, Mora, yeah. you know, those gu- type mm-hmm. of guys. Um, Kane is definitely not naturally gifted. You can just tell by his body. He, but he worked so hard to be there, right. to to find out which space is the right space mm-hmm. to be. Um, but I, I, when I see Arnautovic, I see him as a natural player, uh-huh. right? So when a natural player comes on, th- on the field, as opposed to the players that worked hard, they have, I feel like, less off days, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you're just born to play soccer. Yeah, yeah. When Kane is on, is on the off mood, you know, you yeah. know he can go days without goals. Right, right. right. But for a natural player, you know, that doesn't happen that often, mm-hmm. right? But I see Ar- Arnautovic as more of a natural s- soccer player. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think we need that kind of backup mm-hmm. because Jorentic is not is as good as he is, you know. Yeah, and he's, he's had some, like, really important goals for them yeah. uh, and moments for them, yeah. but... They weren't impressive goals either. Right, right. <laughs> you know? It was off his hip. It was, <laughs> yeah. like, off his hip yeah. and, like, questioning if it was a handball, things like that. And so. his touches are terrible. Right, right. He's slow as a soccer player can <laughs> possibly yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's up there <laughs> in age. So, yeah. like, maybe a backup striker because to take the pressure off of mm-hmm. Kane... I would. I mean, in the attacking third, I would say they're pretty good, except for maybe a backup striker. The place for that, like the place where I'd want another player, is maybe in like that right defense. Oh yeah, like the, the, center uh, defensive. Trippier is yeah, definitely yeah. leaving this summer. And there's rumors that Rose is leaving too. But uh, I, I at left back. So yeah. when I like they have Davies to cover there, but <sighs> there's. Rose is definitely one of my favorite players. In yeah, yeah. Because he's been with us for such a long mm-hmm. time. Um, he replaced Benoit Asoy-Kato, who was absolutely amazing and for, for sure. Right, 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 right. And, um, and, and his debut goal was against Arsenal, crazy volley. And, it, no, it's just like everything about him was so good. And when I saw Tottenham live, like, uh, at Wembley, when I saw them, like, in real life uh, for a Premier League game, Rose definitely was the best, most athletic player. Uh-huh. And yeah. I I wish he doesn't leave. Yeah. But um, 
because his on days are just amazing, mm-hmm. whereas his off days are just crazy bad. But you know, Trippier is leaving. Danny Rose, I really wanted to stay, and I, right, I, right. I think he does have a little bit more of uh, loyalty. Yeah, than and Kyle th- Walker did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyle Walker ended up making that big money move to Man City. But there's like, I mean, and then there's other players like Alderweireld. Like, there's rumors. There's been rumors dating back to like last transfers, um, like last season during the transfer window, where maybe he would go out over to Man U. Um, and there's still those rumors that are persisting. And you guys have some cover with Davinson Sanchez, and then there's a U.S. guy, Cameron Carter Vickers, who's like. Who's where is he? Right he's now? He's, on loan he's on loan to Swansea City oh, yeah. right now. Okay. He's been playing pretty decently uh, in the championship, so maybe he gets an opportunity. But they'll probably bring in someone like for like if Alderweireld ends up leaving. I right? don't know, man. Maybe they're licked. Yeah, <laughs> because he's from <laughs> <my> ex. <laughs> All three of us. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex, exactly. Uh, not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy-five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Then one last question before I let you go. And, you know, it's been really cool to kind of have you on the podcast just to get, um, like, a Tottenham fan's perspective. Final day of the season uh, tomorrow, and we're actually entering into, like, a really exciting um, battle for the uh, the championship for the league title Mm -hmm. between Man City and Liverpool. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, do you think there's possible craziness that ends up happening or do you think man city kind of takes care of business against brighton man city is going to take care of business and i think yeah. I, was, I, I think liverpool is going to lose to wolves yeah i mean <laughs> and and honestly the thing is as a liverpool fan i wouldn't be surprised if they lose to wolves because they of that yeah <laughs> because of the high that they came off of against barcelona uh-huh. and like maybe them looking forward to the champions league final and also I would say a lot of them feel maybe disheartened, especially with them having an amazing run of form in the league and then Man City just kind of just matching them like for like. And that goal by Vincent Company against Leicester last week was just such a heartbreaker, especially with how hard Leicester was playing, yeah. uh, holding for them for the draw up until like the 70th minute. And then for Company to strike a ball 25 yards out into the upper right hand corner was just like un like unbelievable but at the same time my heart sank but i think i think man city kind of takes care of business against brighton but i'm kind of hoping for hopefully you know that there was that there's the repeat of man city a couple years ago was kind of struggling to um qpr against qpr a couple seasons ago (laughs) um which would be if that Ex- happens, insane. Yeah, this um, is the best year for soccer. Yeah, yeah. Ever if that yeah, happens. Yeah. So, you know, maybe something like that happens. So, thanks, TK. No I, problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really fun to have you on. Just talk Tottenham, talk Liverpool, and maybe maybe we do something over the phone right before um, before the Champions League. Yeah. Kind of. Just want to put it out there though. Yeah. To uh, whoever is a Liverpool fan listening. That Liverpool has never finished above Tottenham for the past four years. Never. never. Yeah. 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 And Tottenham's um, and Tottenham's been really good. Yeah. Um. Been like kind of solidified themselves as one I of would, the traditional powers in yeah. the league now. I would absolutely hate Liverpool. It wasn't if it wasn't for some of my closest friends being Liverpool fans. <laughs> but you guys aren't shit. Okay. <laughs> so. 
classic TK as he signs off uh, talking shit. So thanks, TK, for coming on. And part two of this podcast, we're going to have two other special guests, Dave and AK, talking about the NBA playoffs. So tune in for that. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, so welcome back. We got a two-for-one special today. Uh, Earlier, just had TK on talking about Tottenham and uh, their progression into the Champions League final, but I have two other guests, um, two of my former roommates, actually, from college and post-college. I have AK and Dave Yoon on the podcast so guys welcome on to the podcast this is my first time having you guys on this specific podcast right yep first time for me yep same here yeah so it's really really cool to kind of see you guys both on the podcast because i've been what this is 72nd episodes and and this is the first time to have you guys on so i'm really to have really happy to have you guys on especially with like all the stuff that's going on in the sports world right now I'm a little sad that I haven't been able to make and record a podcast during the second round of the NBA playoffs. So what we're primarily going to be doing today for the listeners is NBA playoff type of recap, preview, our overall impressions of the playoffs so far. So guys, kind of jump in whenever you feel free, but what are your general thoughts? Like we, So yesterday we ended up watching Game 6 at Dave's place on a projector of the Houston Golden State series. And Golden State ended up closing it out in game six. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson both ended up staying, uh, stepping up in that game. What were your general thoughts just watching that game, especially with maybe where you think Houston's going to go heading into the offseason now that they lost that game? So I had the Rockets to win the whole thing. And when I heard Kevin Durant was out midway through the game five, and they did not, they weren't going to have him for the rest of the series. And game six is home at Rockets. I thought Rockets got this in the bag. They're going to force a game seven. We're going to have three game sevens on Sunday. But especially after hearing, we were all eating dinner, but we saw at the halftime that Steph Curry had zero points in the half, first half. Right, right. I don't know how many shots he shot, but he had zero points. And... The game was tied at the half, but still, I thought, if Steph Curry's not making shots, they don't have Kevin Durant, the Rockets are going to win this. Game six, it's their home court. And then we, ma- I made it to, to watch like the last quarter of it with you guys. And then out of nowhere, Steph ends up with 33 points, and the Rockets choke and lose again. Yeah, it was kind of vintage Steph before KD ended up showing, on, showing up um, on Golden State. And it was... It was unbelievable. I could not believe the performance Steph had, especially after after the first half that he ended up having in that game. Like, I, it's and and Clay really carried them in that first half, like just raining threes in. And I don't know, like for me, like I don't know where this Houston team goes into the off season, especially because I feel like this has kind of been the same story. Like, there's been um this meme going around that golden states knocked them out of the uh, out of the playoffs four out of the past five years um in the playoffs so i don't know if they have to change something chris paul's kind of locked into a long-term contract do you got like would you think about making a coaching change or something like that letting go of d'antoni or do you think he 
has more opportunities to come? I think because it's 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 been like D'Antoni's revolutionized this offense, but now it's kind of I I don't know if it would I would say it's stagnated because Harden's had like an amazing season thus far in the regular season. I just don't know where they go from here in terms of what types of players to add and things like that. If they assume KD is leaving the Warriors this offseason, which looks very likely. Yeah, I all those rumors. I think they on. keep the core and go one more running back one more time and try to keep the core team relatively intact. They're, they were missing, I think the big missing piece this year from last year was Trevor Ariza, and he really helped them in the playoff run. Yeah, and as crazy as as that is to, like, make that happen, it was just, like, I couldn't believe that Ariza, like, and I think earlier on, like, before the season started, we kind of thought is a huge piece for them. I wonder what they're going to look like. And people were like, oh, Carmelo's going to replace that. Well, yeah, <laughs> Carmelo's literally out of the league, and we have no idea what he's doing right now. And it, he might be done, like, retired and not by choice. So I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see, like, what ends up happening with this team because I don't know, like, what types of players they can add, especially with the cap space that they have, especially with Chris Paul locked into that long-term deal that he signed last season. I don't know how you really improve this team. How many years left does Chris Paul have? Three or four years. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised he wasn't injured this playoff series. He gets injured at some point. Well, he's flopping around like he was <laughs> getting injured during the playoffs. So He played well last night, though. Yeah, no, he. I think he ended up stepping up. But yeah. there were a couple possessions at, I would say, five minutes down. Like, with five minutes left to go, and you kind of want the ball in Harden's hands. And Chris Paul, while he was making shots, I think Golden State was very okay with Chris Paul having the ball in his hands. Yeah, you kept, you kept commenting on that when we were watching the game, when Chris Paul would take the shot, whether he made it or not. You would always say, that's fine. Like, Golden State would much rather have him take the ball than Harden. And it seemed like Harden wasn't there in the fourth quarter. Um, I didn't, like you, I... They didn't. It seemed like Chris Paul was handling the ball a lot more, and I don't think it's Harden shying away from the big time moments. But I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm inexperienced in watching all this. But I don't know what happened, and where was James? He ended up with I think 30 points, but he can easily have scored. He has games where he scores 40, way more than yeah. 40, 50, especially in a regular season. It came to a point where that became the norm almost to yeah. expect him to do a triple double with at least 40 points. Mm -hmm. And I'm not good at analyzing defense, but I'm thinking maybe Warriors, they were kind of double-teaming Harden when he was bringing the ball up and he was forced to pass it over. Right, right, to get get the ball out of his hands, yeah. to kind of move the ball. And I think Golden State was very okay with doubling Harden to get the ball out of his hands so that they're forcing another player like Austin Rivers or like Chris Paul to kind of make another play or P.J. Tucker, they'd much rather have P.J. Tucker take a corner three than h have the ball in Harden's hands. And I think you kind of saw the reverse of that happening once Steph started getting hot, and they were doubling him a lot. At um, Once he passed half court, they were just trying to trap him so that they get the ball in, in his hand, out of his hands. And the most important thing, 
and the difference about that is when he was getting rid of the ball, most of the times the roller was Draymond Green, and Draymond's an amazing pa- uh, playmaker and passer. So yeah. he was finding open men, especially if Clay Thompson's at, like at the three point line. You're gonna take Clay's gonna take that shot, and he's gonna make it more times than not. So it was. I think that's just kind of like the little minute differences between both of those teams. I don't know, Dave. How do you feel about like both of the, uh, both of those games? You know, or both of those teams. You got to give credit to the Rockets for putting up a fight. But I was the only one out of a friend group to predict that Warriors would close it out yesterday, right? Yeah, In the yeah. Morning, yeah. I, was I like, yeah. I uh, thought I thought Houston was going to close it out. Yeah, for and sure. you know, a lot of fans expected that they're playing at Houston. You know, they're playing with the momentum on their side. Queen B was there with Jay-Z. Not that that has anything <laughs> to do anything, but the, all the momentum was there for Rockets to take the game. Yeah. But the reason why I chose the Warriors to close it out was because I think that Kevin Durant is a luxury player. The Warriors did not need him last year, um, or I mean, sorry, two years ago before he arrived to win 73 games. And they pretty much have that core there as yeah. is, right? So. Even without Steph scoring a single bucket in the first half, they were tied. So imagine that, right? Even without your best player scoring a single bucket, you managed to tie the best team in the West. That's right. how good the Warriors are, yeah. even without KD, right? You can, mm. you know, you don't even need Steph to score a single bucket. And you know, like in the Steph second half, the guy's going to turn it up, right? Yeah. So even if he starts scoring e- a little bit, that's going to make a huge difference and huge difference he made. In that third, fourth quarter, I've never seen a single guy be able to score that prolifically mm-hmm. you know and i think that just goes to show that this is still steph's team yeah this was never durant's team and he never let's let's we can all acknowledge that durant is the best player right this season hands down no question about it he's the best player in the world but at the same time this is still steph's team yeah and i i mean i think that's where it it's kind of this interesting alpha dog situation of like, oh, is it Steph's team or is it KD's team? I don't think it'll ever be KD's team regardless of, oh, he's the best player on the floor. It's, And it's because KD kind of – it's like KD being a mercenary, being hired to kind of do his job and then – Collect his money. Right, collect his money, move on to the next team, a la hopefully the Nets. But maybe – but there's rumors that him and Kyrie are going to team up with the Knicks. So it's like I don't know if if it'll ever be KD's team and I think that's the next progression in terms of him being able to show his leadership because I think he his reputation has taken a hit um over the past 3 years because of him joining such a prolific squad and then now if he's able to go to the Knicks make a run with that like terrible ownership group with James Dolan and win a championship with the Knicks, he will be praised as one of the best basketball players ever. Now, I have a question, though. That's a big if, right? You know, that's just like saying, hey, LeBron came to the Lakers. If he wins, he'll go down as probably the GOAT. But my question is, if you're KD, do you do that? For the sake of saving your legacy, right? Let's say that he stays at the Warriors. He's probably going to make this another championship run. And if he stays, it's going to continue to be a dynasty, right? But I don't think, honestly, in my opinion, no matter where he goes, no matter what pieces he has around him, he's going to have this great of an opportunity. Well, and I think from like a legacy point of view for KD, it's more about 
him going out and doing his own thing because if he stays with the Warriors, he's always going to have the tarnish on his legacy saying, oh, he could never do it on his own. He had to join the super squad to have a chance to win. Compared to if he goes to the Knicks, like the Knicks haven't won since 1973. So if he's able to bring a championship to that starved organization, he like that one championship is going to mean more to his legacy than the three potentially three that he's won with Golden State. And it's kind of like that Dirk situation when he stayed with Dallas for his whole career. It's I, I mean, he had an opportunity to probably leave and f- go championship ring hunting, but he ended up staying with Dallas. And whenever I think about that title against m- that Miami team with LeBron, again, against LeBron, against Bosch, against Wade, it just, I feel like that title means more that he won that in comparison to maybe LeBron going to the Heat yeah, and, sure. w- and winning winning a title. And I, I don't know how much that pains you as a LeBron fan to, <laughs> to admit that, AK. Uh, but but it's but like I it, feel the same thing about right, when right. LeBron won the ring for Cleveland. It's just I think it has that level of glory and fame if Katie can do that for the Knicks. Or yeah, yeah. Or maybe the Nets if you're hopeful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I totally agree with that sentiment. Like that Cleveland title for LeBron is that title is going to be mean more to his career to his legacy in comparison to any of the titles that he won with the heat because like that cleveland city the organization had never won a title yeah. before in in their organization's history and for lebron to bring him bring it to that there's parallels between Le- like kd possibly going to the, the wizards or <laughs> to the wizards. wizards. I yeah. mean, this is if, if we're if we're trying to draw like the truest of parallels, right? The reason why it means most to LeBron is he's an Akron kid. Yeah, yeah. Know, he's from Ohio. It's not like he went to the Knicks and just brought a starved organization a championship there. He brought it to his hometown where he was born and raised and learned to be a basketball player. I think that if we were trying to draw that parallel for KD, it would make the most sense for him to go to the Wizards. I mean, it's it's not even a yeah. question that he will do that. But, but the cap space is I like, I think yeah. that for the Knicks, though, the reason why they have never been able to bring a championship for 40 years at this point, it's it's not so much the players, it's the management there. And we can go through that. It's a totally different discussion. But I think if KD were to go to New York, it should be the Nets, in wow. my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I would love that as a Nets fan. It's just, it doesn't seem like from a legacy play that it would make sense because because the Knicks are the crown jewel sure. franchise in the league and if he were to be be able to bring a title to the Knicks in comparison to the Nets you know I think there would be a little bit of a difference mm. and that would be the difference of like wow he's able to do it with this tr- like this this uh organization with huge amount of tradition and I don't know if he gets that with the Nets. Like, at that point, if if he were thinking about going to the Nets, he might as well just stay in Golden State and and rack up titles that way. Like, you that's don't think my it's point of view. An equivalent r- risk reward. Well, I, ju- I just think the narrative is better if, if you go were to go Knicks to the over Nets. Nets. Right, right. I mean, I just think that. But I don't know. Maybe other people might think 
if he goes to a random team and we're able to win, that would cement his place in history. But I think it kind of has to be with the Knicks. I mean, and as soon as he left OKC for Golden State, he it's not that he tarnished his legacy. It's one of those things where he was trying to win a championship and, and he wanted to play. And all these interviews that he's done is, oh, he wanted to play this higher level of basketball. And he saw that opportunity with Golden State. But the public narrative and the way the public saw that move was, oh, he just wants to win championships. And he kind of found the easy way out. And That's, that, how, I f- that's how I right, felt. Right, that's right. how a lot of people felt. Exactly. And I and think that, it's valid. Right. And I think that's a public narrative of all that happening. So we kind of got sidetracked there. But I, I think, like, especially with his injury and – what ends up happening it gives him a couple more days of rest so that he could recuperate for the western conference finals i'm kind of curious to see what ends up happening and how soon he comes back there's rumors that boogie cousins might come back as well um towards the end of the playoffs to kind of contribute to uh this golden state squad like they've kind of kept it mum in terms of what's going to happen with him um so I, I'm curious to see like what that team looks like and how they're going to perform in the next round because I guess transitioning to the to the Denver-Portland series, those two teams are, have been such a surprise. And to think before the season started that one of those two teams would make the Western Conference Finals is kind of insane. Denver didn't even make the playoffs um, in the previous season last year. And for them to rise up to be the second seed this year is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah I think that's all a testament to Joker. You know, like, um, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. When you watch him play, you don't, it's like seeing a Porzingis, but a little bit bigger, you know, and just like a little bit craftier, in my opinion. Yeah. He's an incredible player. My only gripe with the, the Nuggets is that they're a really young team. No, they're super young. They're, they're, yeah. I think they're the youngest team in the playoffs mm-hmm. or in the NBA by far at this point, right? It's it's them or the Bucks, I think. Them, I would say I Chicago's pretty young Chicago's too. Chicago's also like pretty young. In, in the, the playoffs, playoffs, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely the youngest. Yeah. So the thing is, I want them to win because I believe that they have the talent. Now, whether or not they'll get there is another question because I think that the lack of experience is going to come to haunt them. That's going to really upset my friend Andrew Ramondi as he's a huge uh, <laughs> as a as he's fan. a huge Portland Blazers fan. So it's pretty sad to kind of have. I'm sure he's going to be sad to hear that, but it's. It's been a really back-and-forth series in terms of, like, Portland kind of having the upper hand. And I would say early on in the series, everyone thought, especially with Dame making that insane, insane shot in the first, like, how crazy was that? First round, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. end the series. That was his second one in his career when he did that against against Houston earlier on. It's just... I think a lot of the public narrative was just like, oh, Dame's going to kind of carry this team to the Western Conference Finals. And a lot of people were like, oh, we're riding the Dame hype train because of how young the Denver Nuggets squad was. And people weren't expecting that much from the Nuggets at all. But I don't know. I, I, I think my heart says Portland just because I really want Dame to kind of go up against Steph and see what that matchup mm. looks like. And I think it would be really fun to see those two stars really ascend because I think there's a qu- I think Dame has his chip on his shoulder 
right now as a lot of people I, I would say a lot of basketball fans know who he is, but I don't think a lot of normal people would like if I said, Mom, do you know who Steph Curry is? She would be like, Yeah, I know who he is. He's like one of the but if <laughs> she yeah. would look at she would look at me with deer in the headlights look if I was like, Hey, Damian Lillard, he's really <laughs> good, mom, right? And right. she's like, Yeah, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So he's a little underrated mm-hmm. in the conversation of top point guards in this league. And it's not his fault. I think it's just, I don't know, his narrative has been a little quieter than the other top point guards. Let me think. Like, if we if we asked, if we, if we said it's uh, D- Dame Lillard or Kyrie Irving. Oh, I'm taking Dame all day. But, think, but would you st- still be that confident like f- four or five months ago? No. Right? I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. And I th- even I think the public would be like, since Kyrie's name's in like in the news a lot a lot more people would be like yeah Kyrie's definitely better because yeah. they don't want people don't watch west coast basketball right it's too late <laughs> it's too late people i can't are in watch bed. them people are in game. bed by it by 10 o'clock yeah, yeah. 11 o'clock we can speak about Kyrie because I, I think i mean Kyrie. Needs yeah let's Celtics, okay but we'll, we'll come back we'll, we'll yeah. get to, we'll get to Kyrie. yeah we, <laughs> we have a special space yeah of are time you guys for Kyrie. Um, are you guys on the the denver train or the portland well line? who do you think is going to come well out i seven? think Usually in these game sevens, it's really hard to win on the road. So yeah. my heart says Portland, but I think if I'm thinking logically, like, and if it's a tight matchup, you're kind of just going with the the home squad. So I think Denver ends up uh, pulling it out in seven. But I think it's going to be a pretty close game. It's going to really be important to see uh, the shot-making ability of Portland because they're going to get their open shots. Like, Denver's defense isn't that great. It's a matter of whether or not um, Dame's going to be able to hit his shots or not. And C.J. McCollum's been, like, on fire in this series. He's been re- – I would say he's been probably their best player in this series over Dame. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, the reason why I, I – as much as I want Portland to advance to the conference finals, I don't see them, even if they were get able to get to that point, to be a, a big threat to Warriors. And the reason – I don't think that's possible because – you're relying so heavily on Dame Lillard to be like on the backcourt. Yeah. yeah, it's the CJ same thing Dame, that yeah. uh, with James Harden. Like we didn't see him perform yesterday, and what was the result? Even if Chris Paul puts up puts up like great numbers, you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. You know, you need your star player to play, and we've been so desensitized because he's putting up these crazy numbers. Dame Lillard is right, and like he's like pulling up for 30, 35 feet out and with a hand in his face. And, like, we're like, wow, we've grown accustomed to him making these shots. But those some of those shots, when I was watching the game, not even in this uh, this uh, series, but the one before, I was like, those shots are, like, not the best shots. Like, right. if you were playing NBA 2K, right, <laughs> and some guy was, like, pressing up on me like that, the chance of you actually making that shot is so low. And that's, like, a bad shot. But Dane Lil, he, like, consistently proves to everyone that, like, hey, I can make these shots. But in my mind, I'm like – Hey, one one of these days, those shots are not gonna fall. Yeah, and I mean, you lose. think it's not gonna fall against the Warriors? Oh, absolutely not. Well, yeah. and those yeah. stats kind of bore themselves out in terms of like him making those shots. Like he was ten for eighteen from thirty plus feet out in that first first round series yeah. against uh, OKC. So it's not like he was like jacking up threes for the sake of jack. He was making those shots, yeah. and there was that classic Paul George press conference about him being like. Yeah, that was a bad shot. That was a terrible <laughs> shot. And then Dame was like, "No, it was. It was a good <laughs> shot because I made it in your face." So it it's like, it it's kind of this balance at, of t- 
taking shots to kind of create space. And I think Steph Curry does this a lot too. Sometimes he'll take, he'll rise up from 25 to 27 feet because it creates space. Even if he doesn't make it, it's in the defender's mind. Oh, I have to push up on Steph or Dame in this situation because you never know if he's coming off yeah. the pick and roll, he can just pull up from three from 27 feet out. And it kind of gets the defender's mind going where he ends up pu- pushing up on Stafford Dame and then they just end up turning the corner and then have an open layup to or open lane to the to the hole. So I think it does things there's there's ancillary benefits to them kind of pulling up from those 27 feet type of shots that you kind of think that's a ridiculous shot. Now, what do you guys think about this? So I think that this postseason is the first postseason where we've seen the Steph Curry effect like been solidified, right? We were watching games yesterday, and I think that West Con- Western Conference shows this even more. When there's a fast break, players don't even drive to the hoop anymore. They just camp out. They just run to the side, ho- like expecting a three-point yeah. shot. Yeah, you know, and it's like that's a better shot than driving to the lane and well, getting a layup yeah. at this point. And I think that's that just goes to show that like the NBA has fully changed now. Yeah, yeah. And analytically it makes sense like three points m- uh me more than two or is valued more uh, than yeah, two yeah. born out over a, a significant amount of possessions uh based on percentages and things like that. But it's kind of weird to ki- to see a 3v1 fast break like you're kind of alluding to yesterday and both players on the wings kind of go to the corners. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not driving. Right, yeah. they're not yeah. going to the hoop. I've seen that with the Blazers. I've seen that with the Warriors. Like most of the Western Conference team, except for the Spurs, do that. Yeah, they like they all just shift out. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy because this it shouldn't make sense that you you would want a three point shot on right, a fast right. break, you know. But the Steph Curry effect has really solidified, and I think that it's an interesting thing. And I wanted to hear your take, but you know, we can save that for another day. Whatever. But right, right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, AK, who do you have, Denver or Portland, coming out of this matchup uh, Portland, to face the Warriors? Portland, but I agree with you that my heart says Portland, but Game 7 on the road, really tough. So Yeah, yeah. Totally. It, it'll be extremely tough for them to – and I'm kind of curious to see what ends up happening, but I think it's going to be really tough. And I don't know. We'll see. It To like, me, the X factor is Jamal Murray. Yeah. If yeah. He go, if he, whenever he does well – they win. If he doesn't, they're vulnerable. He's nice. Yeah. So nice. I'll be looking out for that. Jokic, he's going to get his stats. Yeah, he's tr- close to triple-double automatic. Like, it's crazy yeah. how well he's playing. But out of, so out of those two teams, like, not that we expect them to kind of take out the Warriors, but who do you think will give the Warriors a better series between Portland and Denver? Nuggets. Oh. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, as much as I think the narrative would be better if a Dame Lilk type of player would play up against Steph because it's a point guard point guard match. Yeah, I think that to really challenge the Warriors, you need that inside presence in a player like Jokic to challenge. Them. Yeah, especially without a Boogie Cousins, you know. Yeah, and I think the pick and roll offense between, I would say Murray and Jokic would give give them problems a little bit. Just but on the defensive end of things, like. 
it's going to be a problem for them to like, who's Jokic going to guard on the other end if they end up going through? They have to hide him, but he's such a big guy. Like, where are you going to hide him on defense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and all they're going to do is space him out, especially with without DeMarcus now in the starting yeah, lineup. Yeah, they can easily all, – they all have – they all can shoot through, except for Draymond, but he'll – He'll, he'll take him. He'll, he'll still take him. Exactly. He'll still be spaced out yeah. on the perimeter. And you're going to have Jokic. Not that Jokic is like a crazy rim t- protector at all, but I don't know if you want him in space, like switching on to Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. <laughs> no. He's like, going to get cooked. Yeah, exactly. So you guys so both think the Blazers would be a better matchup, though? Uh, I think the Blazers... It, it's tough to say because I'm, I'm actually surprised at how well this Denver team is. Playing, I just I didn't expect it, especially from a young team. And granted, I didn't watch much Nuggets basketball. Um, yeah, so I was kind of thinking like, oh, Dame's a player that I know that's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Portland has a lot of like interesting pieces that can come together and make switches. Like Zach Collins has been really good defensively uh, for them, and he's kind of shown up for them. So. He's one of those players that I wouldn't be too worried about if he switched on to, like, a perimeter guy. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really see it being – I think it's going to be, like, 4-1 regardless, whoever makes it through. So, I don't – I feel like this talking point is kind of moot. But for, like, Portland and Denver, whoever makes it to the conference finals, and even since they made it, like, Portland beat OKC, who – I think a lot of people had coming out of that quadrant of teams between the Spurs, the Nuggets, OKC, and Portland to face the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. And for the for the Blazers to kind of like beat them handedly 4-1 in that first round series, it's, a, it's an accomplishment, especially after last season where they got swept by Anthony Davis and, and the Pelicans. So I think... Either side is going to look at the season with success, regardless of who wins or loses. Oh, that's a uh, good tomorrow. Point. No matter who wins or loses, um, and most likely they, whoever wins loses to the Warriors, it's a huge accomplishment for both teams. Do you think? I don't think it'll. I think they'll take that into the off season and try. I think both teams, the Nuggets and the Blazers, will try to. Not, I mean, not blow things up or change anything too right, crazy. Right, right. I think I think both teams, like Neil O'Shea, who's the GM for the Blazers, has kind of solidified his position because I think there was talks about him possibly getting fired, especially after last season yeah. with them getting swept, and they kind of ran it back this one year. And I think he's kind of solidified that position as well. So I don't know. I I, I just kind of see it as like. <laughs> I don't I don't even know. I was thinking trying to think of an analogy, but they're basically being served up as a sacrifice <laughs> for the Warriors, <laughs> like whoever ends up winning. So it doesn't even really matter. So kind of moving on to the Eastern Conference, um, we brought up Kyrie's name. Let's start with yeah, let's start Let, with that. Let's start with that. Yeah. So Kyrie ended up like there's all this drama going on in Boston right now. They ended up losing four one to the Bucks. Like, give me your general thoughts on, like, the whole Boston-Kyrie situation. A lot of Boston fans that I've talked to have said that he wants, like, they want him to leave. Like, what if you're a Boston fan or if you're, Bo- like, Danny Ainge, who's the Boston GM, like, head of basketball operations there, would you, I mean, would you want him to go? Like, 
especially with the fit that they've kind the struggle of fit that they've had this season you know it's a really tough thing i was expecting obviously before the season started with that staff Everyone lineup did. and yeah hayward coming back for them to just run the table yeah o- on paper that team sounded unbeatable like yeah. they were going to coast to the eastern conference right. finals. especially with the success they had last year without without um Kyrie without Gordon Hayward yeah right. but um, then you know Tatum didn't perform up to par this year there was a lot of interesting things that happened and I think that for me when I was looking at Boston in the postseason especially this past series I was looking not more at Kyrie but at Brad Stevens and I think that interesting um because as a coach I think that in the playoffs, you dictate a lot of the things that happen, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to the semifinal to the conference finals, right? And I think Brad Stevens is an excellent coach. I think we can all agree on that. But this is the first time that Brad Stevens had to coach a superstar player in Kyrie Irving, yeah, right? And this was an interesting thing because I wanted to see how an excellent coach of Brad Stevens' caliber, we were all comparing him to Popovich, you know, like the next pop. But this was the first time he's been given a player like Kyrie Irving, and I wanted to see if he was able to deliver. And I think that although that, you know, there may not be reports about their relationship, I don't believe it was the best. And I Mm. believe it's because he wasn't able to manage that relationship well. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's my opinion. I think Kyrie in and of himself, he was done with Boston, but that relationship with Brad Stevens, because he's the 1A player there, you know, the, the, the player to go to, and he wasn't able to utilize him you know, to his best of his abilities. So I think that's the reason or, or a huge contributing factor as to why they didn't make it. Yeah. Like, AK, what do you do? You think if you're Kyrie and you're in his position and with all the drama that ended up happening late in the Boston uh, season, do you want to go back to that situation, especially with like there's a lot of rumblings in the locker room that there was like drama and there was just a chemistry issue going on with the team. Do you kind of go back to that and do you want to do that or do you want to kind of explore different, um, I guess, location with like the Knicks or the Nets with there being a lot of talk about him possibly going there or possibly joining your boys, the Lakers. Lakers. um in LA like is i don't i don't know like from a legacy point of view i wonder what he ends up doing because i think if he ends up going somewhere else it it'll kind of put a stain on like Kyrie's reputation as a team player do you think his reputation is still stained if him and KD team up in the mix I don't think it's that bad for no, him. No, I don't think it would be bad just because he's going to the Knicks. But if you were to go to, like... For the same, like, challenges that, it, that he faces going to the Knicks and trying to give him a championship. Right, right, right. Like, I think if he went to LeBron, it would just kind of be like... Sounds like he's settling. Yeah, and like, it would be... It's not that it's, a like, the Lakers didn't play this well or that well this season either. Like, it's not like he's going to be the last piece like he wa- like KD was for Golden State. It's just one of those things where if he goes to L.A., he kind of like forced his way out of Cleveland uh, to get away from LeBron because he wanted his own team uh, to be with Boston. Right. And he had his he has his own team with Boston now. And now is he just saying he doesn't want it because it was too hard to 
control the kids like he was saying earlier on in the season. Like, I just feel like it's kind of... So Dave has a dog. His name's Jedi. And it would basically be Kyrie being Jedi going to LeBron and saying, like, with his tail between his legs and saying, <laughs> yeah, I made a mistake. I Just take me back. But <laughs> I, I don't... I, that's a two-way street, though, because LeBron, I feel as though, as the leader as he is, he understands that the thing that he had with Kyrie, as bad as it ended, was amazing. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. played really well together. Right? So I think that Kyrie has to look at the mirror and be like, hey, I wanted a team, but I don't know if genuinely I am that player. That like that can demand that you know like be a super superstar. I think that the Celtics exposed that out of him. So mm-hmm. if he were to go back, you know, and join forces with LeBron, I think more power to you. You're just understanding that what you guys had worked and what your role is and what your role team. is. Yeah. I think that Kyrie has to understand that. I don't see. I never saw Kyrie as like a one A player. Mm-hmm. I never did. Yeah. You know, and so when he was paired up with LeBron, I was like, hey, this works because LeBron is the alpha. And you're not a beta, you're just a 2A, you know? (laughs) You're still amazing. Yeah, yeah, like a 1B type Exactly. It it, it works, right? Uh So if you were to go back to LeBron and LeBron was like, hey, I understand too that this, you know, relationship ended poorly, but what we had was amazing. I'd like to take you back. I think that they would really be the team to be. It sounds like a soap opera. Uh, No, no. (laughs) Take me back. The NBA is like a... Is like a soap a soap opera for guy for guys. Right? That's what like yeah. my mom said. Like this is like literally a soap opera. For Everyone's guys. gossiping. Yeah, people want to play with each other or don't want to play with each other anymore. People want to come back. Wish it was the good old days again. Right, right, right. <laughs> so right. I'm I'm curious to see where he goes. And like I think the big storyline coming out of Boston is like Jason Tatum. Like wait, so we're all assuming Kyrie's leaving, right? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> if he's not leaving, if the he's not leaving, gonna, yeah, the team's gonna ship him out. He's I think. out. I, he's gotta leave. I think Boston is more like the organization is more shrewd than that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do like a sign and trade or something like that, so they get something for the asset. Because if they just let Kyrie go, they're literally losing him for nothing. I think they will want to keep him so he can be a valuable asset for like an Anthony Davis trade. Because th- isn't Horford's contract up this summer, yeah, too? Yeah. So that's a big question. Exactly. So there's a lot of moving pieces going around, whether Horford opts in um, to the $30 million deal. Maybe he Is signs. Is it player option? Yeah, player oh. option. Something that ends up happening long term. Like, what does he do with that? So I'm kind of curious to see what ends up happening in that situation. But I think Boston's kind of like... There, I was listening to, I think, a Simmons or Zach Lowe podcast where they were saying how he, I think Boston's organizational stance on Kyrie publicly is, yeah, we want him back. We'll sign him for, like, however much money. Oh, yeah. But, like, internally, they really have having a lot of questions about does he really fit with this team. And then there's Terry Rozier's up. So, like, if Terry Rozier ends up leaving as a restricted free agent, Kyrie leaves, who's the point guard there? You know what? Yeah. Like, there's Marcus Smart. Right, Marcus Smart, things like that. So there's, like, a lot of those questions, too. But the big thing for me, like I was saying before, was is the Jason Tatum thing. Like, he was the, supposed to be, and I think a lot of people were hailing him as, like, the next, next NBA superstar. The next Kobe, maybe, because Kobe was like training him that one season, yeah. off season. Yo, he sabotaged him. What? As a Laker, he sabotaged him. I heard, I heard there was some <laughs> deep conspiracy theory about that. <laughs> that Kobe purposely wanted to train him 
but then somehow got it so that he's sabotaging hey, the Celtics organization. Young blood, take the <laughs> take those long twos. Take the long twos, not those. Don't threes. believe in Murray Ball. Yeah, so it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like one w- of those things. Weren't Tat- Tatum's stats this year weren't that much better than last year, right? No, they weren't. And he his three point percentage was down this year oh. in comparison to last year. Because so he's doing the long twos. Yeah, and I think I think I mean he had a pretty amazing rookie season in terms of how well he was shooting from three. I don't know. Maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe he was trying to like not ruffle any feathers and and kind of disrupt the chemistry, especially with Kyrie coming back and Gordon Hayward coming back. So I think it was one of those things where he didn't want to do that. Um. I don't know. Like Tate, he was supposed to be this next NBA star. A lot of people were, a lot of Boston fans were like, "I'm not including him in a potential Anthony Davis deal." I was, I've been on this train since last season, where I was like, "If you're Boston and you're, you could get Anthony Davis for Tatum and like a couple draft picks, you do it. You do it. I'm literally doing. I'm, do I'm it, being man. like, hey, you could be a good player, but." You're not Anthony Davis. Yeah, you're not Anthony Davis. No, but then what if Kyrie leaves? Yeah, and I think that's the calculus. Like, trying to figure out what ends up happening there. I think think Boston's thinking was, you know what? If Anthony Davis comes and Kyrie's here, Kyrie's going to sign a long-term deal. Like, they're both (laughs) going to sign long-term deals. Because that's what Anthony Davis wants. He wants a winning situation. And isn't that what Kyrie wants as well? So... The, I think it, it's tough, but now with where the team's at, I don't even know if you can even make that move for Anthony Davis because of the uncertainty of what Kyrie's going to do. Because now they need to lock down Kyrie long-term. If he, if if the Boston Celtics lock down Kyrie long-term this offseason, I think the Davis trade is a lot more likely to happen. Um, just because then you're, Then you have security. to give up Tatum. Yeah. and But... I think if you ask your average Boston Celtics fan, we'll probably have to move on to the next group, but most fans will probably want to keep Tatum over Kyrie if they have to give up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's the case, but I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. I think it'll be an interesting offseason for Boston. They have a lot of questions to answer. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about the Bucks. I think I'm going to preview the the – final or uh, the eastern and western conference finals okay. with andrew so we'll move on to the last game seven tomorrow a marquee matchup our boy jeremy lynn warming up that bench for toronto mm-hmm. um it's gonna be toronto versus philly tomorrow sunday at i think it's seven o'clock uh it's gonna be the second game second game seven of tomorrow what are your <laughs> i mean that series has been kind of crazy in itself because of joe Joel Embiid's like antics and like all yeah, this. He's just always sick. Yeah, always he's sick, hurt. always hurt. Ki- like I don't know. He looks tired on the floor. I hate that mentality. Like when you know he was like experiencing that stomach ache for two weeks straight, and I don't know what it is. You what know, is he it, eating? I don't know. He's it's got to be better stuff than right. where you. <laughs> you know, like, you know like. I'm sure they're <laughs> taking care of him, but. For me, when I saw that a player of his caliber and his popularity was sitting out intentionally, right? Um, you know, yeah, he has a claim that he's he's actually sick, but 
it's not like a life-threatening like leg injury or something you're mm. like a season-ending career-ending kind of thing you know he must have been really sick for him to have sit, sat out a playoff game yeah but now it's at a point where there there are a lot of skeptics it's like dude what are you you've been sick for like a long time now you know like either play or don't yeah. you know at this point like play your heart out or if you're really sick just actually just call it quits for this season you know like he's been putting this the fans and a lot of spectators in this limbo state as to like what he's actually going to be doing that but night. i even think like 60 percent of Embiid causes a problem for that toronto team because of the space he takes up and oh, like yeah, the absolutely. type of player he is yeah, yeah yeah i'm just saying like that mentality i don't think is like championship mentality to be yeah. honest yeah yeah and i i mean th- it's a young squad if you think about it like jimmy but like i don't know if you want jimmy butler to assume the role of leadership especially with what he did in chicago and minnesota but like he's probably the elder statesman on this team <laughs> that's leading the squad and it's like ben simmons has kind like he came back in that game six i believe where yeah. he ended up like in a in an elimination game, he ended up coming through, scoring. I think it was twenty one points. Twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, and he had like a good s- stat line as well. Really like had the ball in his hands, started becoming really aggressive, getting to the hole. But I'm just kind of curious to see like how this team performs against Toronto in Toronto. I'm going Toronto. Toronto's been my been my NBA Finals pick along with Golden State, so I'm sticking with them to eke it out in game seven but it's and there's all these questions like all these narratives um, you have the raptors over the bucks no no yeah yeah i do wow yeah yeah before six seven games yeah in seven wow wow so it's yeah i know i i mean and i'm really i want to hear you talk about that in your future podcast yeah i'm really i'm really surprised about Giannis, like and the way he's played yeah like but you're still picking toronto yeah and Granted, I haven't watched a lot of Bucks basketball, but like the limited amount that I've watched in the playoffs, I'm like, holy shit! Like, Giannis is for real. Like, he can get to the hoop from the three point line in two steps, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. But like <laughs> Toronto, like Toronto has a lot of off season questions. If they end up losing, do, where does Kawhi go? Like, somewhere I, in L. A. Yes, is he going to L. A. Yeah. He's probably going to the Clippers. That's wh- that's like oh, the yeah. huge rumor. With him, like, buying a house um, in San Diego and, like, all these Zillow, like, stalkers. Like, <laughs> That's the thing with Toronto. Toronto has never been able to keep a star player. Like, well, I mean, it's Vince tough. Carter. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, too yeah. cold. Yeah, T-Mac, dude. No one wants to too cold Canada for those Canada <laughs> yeah. taxes, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, like, that's interesting that you would pick the, the Toronto. But um, Well, I have Toronto. Yeah, so granted, I have Toronto in Game 7 over Philly. Yeah. Are you guys all assuming Kawhi's leaving? I think so. I think, I, if I think he I, leaves, I think so. yeah. but if they make the finals, I think he stays. Really? Yeah. Even if he'll leave, even if he if they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I think he'll leave, but yeah. I think he'll stay if he, they make the finals. That's I'll agree with that. Just because I think he realizes, I hope he realizes, Kyle Lowry cannot be trusted in the playoffs. Yeah. He yeah. has has some flashes though. Has this, this postseason, he's he's been okay. Okay, a little better than yeah. like what <laughs> we know about yeah, last yeah. year. But he's definitely disappeared at times. But like Siakam has been oh my really God. good. Like, and that's like the hope that Toronto has if Kawhi leaves. Like, just yeah. build around this young dude Siakam, yeah. and 
kind of see where it goes. But he's been really impressive to me. Yeah. He had he's starting to develop an outside game, making corner threes now, and that's been really impressive for me, especially like three to four years ago, where you're like, is this guy gonna even like make it? In the in the league, like, is he gonna make it in the rotation of a team? So it's mm. pretty impressive to see. I don't even know him three, four years ago. That's so. what I mean. <laughs> it's yeah. like impressive to see like w- his progression um, on that Toronto team. Yeah, and I I, ju- I don't know. I just kind of like how Toronto fits together. Um, like, yeah. so much better than the Sixers. Why do you, do you guys like the Sixers team that they have right I now? I just think it's a w- awkward fit between Simmons and Embiid. Like, there's a lot of tr- like I would say a lot of NBA Twitter type of news and stuff like that has been kind of trending towards Simmons being traded for and something. And Butler too. That's like a weird mix. Like uh, yeah, and Butler yeah. might leave yeah. in the off season as well. So like there's all these implications. We talked we broke down a, and we're going to wrap up the podcast soon, but we broke down the Boston uh situation like what could ha- end up happening with them if they lose or since they lost in the second round. Now, whoever loses from Toronto and, and Philly, they're going to have a ton of offseason questions to answer. Yep. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. And then Golden State has an- uh, questions. Clay, like, he could leave this offseason. It doesn't sure. look like it, but he could leave KD. There's a lot of rumors there. Like, Houston, what do they do? And then... I didn't get I I didn't get your guys's picks in terms of who's gonna go forward for Philly and Toronto. Oh, dude, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So no so we're I think we're kind of kind uh staying with like the trend of home teams winning game sevens, especially with Denver and our choices of Denver and Toronto. I just think when you get to the playoffs, you've played enough games that the seeding is pretty accurate. Minus the Rockets all of a sudden falling to the fourth seed. Yeah, with like weird tiebreakers. Yeah, but that was an anomaly. Like but usually uh, the higher seed teams are higher seeded for a reason. They've played 82 games. They've proven the point that they're the better team. Right, right, right. And when it, if it ever comes to a game seven, it's so hard for me to pick the away team. Yeah. Which is why I was conflicted with the Portland-Denver one. Mm. Mm. So... Question. Yeah. Yeah. Last question for last you. Last question so before it we. It seems as though the Warriors are going to be winning the uh. championship again, right? Yeah. Um, as much as we hate to admit it, so they're looking like a dynasty, pro bono dynasty, or like uh, this is bona fide. They're, yeah. This is it. Um, if they do break up, right? Who's the next dynasty? Who's your pick for the next one? Ooh. Are there any potential? I think ones this out is there? an interesting topic of conversation. Uh, I. W- I think before the season started, I would have said Boston, but that situation is, like, so precarious right now, especially with, like, you know, before the season, the Anthony Davis traits was, like, looming in terms of them possibly being... I, If I had to put money on it, I would say the Bucks, Because, like, Ooh. because Jan, you just put money on Giannis, and, like, he's probably going to be the best player He's he he's probably gonna win MVP this year. Will probably be the best player in the league for the next like two to three years. Three, I would say, say more. three years. Yeah, three, four, five years or so. He'll be top three at least in the league for the next three to five years. Um, so I I would say the Bucks. But yeah, it was like Bucks, Bucks. It's now the Bucks, and then it, if Boston can get their shit together, then we'll see w- about them. I think. I can see what you're saying about the Celtics because they have a young core. They have a young team. 
and they could elevate it next season. I'm with you on the Bucks, but I want to put the Rockets right behind them. Interesting. Just because Harden – I'm conflicted on the Harden thing because they lean too much on the guy, but that's what makes them so good. Mm. And that's the making of a dynasty. Like, if he can elevate the team next season. Yeah. Because the Warriors will be vulnerable, assuming. Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, like, he, Harden's a great player. I just worried about sustained success, especially if you think about dynasty. Dynasty is kind of like, oh, you put together, like, a couple finals wins. And I don't know if this Houston team can can string together, like, three finals appearances and two wins in the next four years or so. It'll be tough. Especially with an aging yeah, Chris Paul. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that'll be tough. It'll so. be very, very tough. I'm with you on this one, Kevin. I think it's the Bucks. Yeah. It just because they have a good squad. As much as I don't really like Chris Middleton, right? But yeah. he's a good supporting, you know, Robin to Giannis. In yeah. this situation, I really think that the Bucks have all the pieces and the That's another the dynasty. another free agent. So like yeah. A lot of free agent money is going to be splashed this offseason, so we'll see what ends up happening with the mm-hmm. moves. Guys, I really want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's been a while. We used to do podcasts on Mama. We made it. Shout out to that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if we Rest should resu- resurrect that from the dead. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I'm just i so glad to kind of continue this podcast. This is episode 72. I can't believe it, being consistent with it. So I'm really excited to keep on going. Now that it's the summer, off from law school, I could put my energy <laughs> rollout podcast this summer. So really excited about that. And uh, we'll see what ends up happening in Game 7 tomorrow. So thanks, guys, for joining me. And, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll – I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to release another podcast, probably next week um, before the conference finals start to with Andrew Ramondi to talk about – all the matchups there and kind of storylines from that. And then f- and then we'll talk about the finals and break down games like that as well, um, you know, in, in future podcasts. So thanks, guys, for listening. And if you guys haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe on iTunes, uh, I don't know, all the other listening platforms that you guys listen to for the podcast. So thanks, guys, again. And... Have an exciting, exciting Game 7 on Sunday and Game of Thrones.